0: Hi, fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. You'll want to stick around for today's story if you like dragons, because the entire thing is told from a dragon's perspective, which is honestly the main reason I picked it. It's written by Deborah Grace White, who has never outgrown her love of young adult stories. She writes tales full of adventure, fantasy, mystery, and clean romance, and usually dragons. And she's automatically more interesting because she lives in Australia with her husband and three kids. Today's narrator is Peter Franson, host of Christian Geek Central. Stick around to the end or check out today's show notes to see where you can find more from both the author and the narrator, as well as how to enter our giveaway. For now, please enjoy Dragon's Sight by Deborah Grace White.
1: The dragon's tail curled around his scaled feet as he perched halfway up the peak. He knew he was too high up for weak human eyes to discern his shape. If they caught anything, it would only be the glint of the sun on his scales. The purple, green, and blue, so much brighter than the scales of the other dragons, didn't exactly blend with the rocky gray of the mountain. But the colors would still be impossible to identify from such a distance, at least for humans. Eldreki had no such limitation he could see with perfect clarity as he gazed down at the plains far below as he had many times before he found himself questioning the dragon ruler's determination that the colony remain isolated from the humans dwelling on the plains Eldreki's face was as expressionless as his form was motionless as he gazed down at the human settlement in the shadow of the mountains but inside his mind was alight with curiosity how he would like to swoop down to the level of the ground, explore the gentle hills covered with grass instead of stone, wander among the humans, learn about their ways. They were curious beasts, scurrying around as frantically as ants. Why were they always in such a hurry? They must have some internal motivation that Eldrecki couldn't discern from the outside. If only he could speak with them, ask them. He could hear them well enough with his superior hearing, and he had learned the language of men like most dragons. Kadir even encouraged it. The acquisition of knowledge was generally revered by dragons, after all. But Eldreki couldn't help but wonder what the point was if the dragon ruler didn't intend for any of his colony to actually speak with the humans. Not that anyone else seemed interested in doing so. The others couldn't understand the fascination that the youngest member of their colony had with the lowly humans living below their mountains. The dragon ruler had a history of friendship with the kings of Kiona, it was true. But Kadir had not invited any of the other dragons to share in that bond, and Eldreki had no particular desire to intrude on it anyway. It was the regular humans who raised his curiosity, those living and dying and going about their business in the shadow of the mountains. Perhaps the others were right that these humans were far below a dragon's notice. But they intrigued Eldreki. It was like their minds worked entirely differently from his, a puzzle to be solved. His interest spiked as a small form scurried out of one of the simple human dwellings, A hunting party had returned, laden down with enough elk to feed the whole village, and the boy was running to meet his father. Eldreki leaned forward, curving his tail around an outcropping of rock for balance. In the decade or so since he had started watching this settlement, the appearance of this boy had been the event of greatest interest. He had been born a short time before, perhaps seven or eight years in human terms. There was something different about him— but Eldreki couldn't fully identify what it was, confined to the mountains as he was. Perhaps if he could wander through the village. He sighed, dismissing the thought. He knew how the others would feel about that, and probably the humans would be even more alarmed. Some of them told stories about dragons around the fire in the evenings. Eldreki had heard them. But from what they said, he wasn't sure that any of the humans actually believed the old legends. Still, dull as their senses were, they recognized some warning of the power near their home. They were suspicious of the mountains, avoiding straying into them, fear evident in the occasional glances they threw toward the peaks. And the dragon ruler Kadir was quite happy for the situation to remain that way. But the boy, his people called him Durnoff, didn't seem to share his community's distaste for the dragon's mountains, a number of times Eldreki had witnessed him sneaking away from the settlement to wander further into the peaks than any of his fellows ever had. He had captured Eldreki's interest, and the dragon regularly used his far sight to watch Durnoth's activities, even when the small human was not immediately before him. On this occasion, however, the child was fully focused on the returning hunters, his excitement at his father's return palpable. Eldreki watched unmoving. As a dragon, he was not given to emotion like humans were. He found their displays perplexing and, at times, ridiculous. But as he watched Durnoth greeting his father, he thought of his own parents. They had gone on many human years before, bound by their choice. He didn't miss them, exactly. It wasn't the way of a dragon. But he did sometimes imagine speaking with them again, asking them about the path they had chosen. There was no one left now in the colony who could answer his questions. Durnoth bounded around his father, following the group back into town with an energy that made the returning hunters look incredibly weary by comparison. Eldreki almost smiled at his own folly. The others were probably right about humans. He had attached a special significance to this boy for some reason, but it was probably without foundation." Most likely the child would grow in a few short years to become a hunter like his father, too focused on the plains to turn his glance toward the mountains. Eldreki turned away from the scene, pushing his vast form from the slope in a fluid movement as silent as the rocks around him. In spite of his reflections, the dragon found that he could not resist further observation of the settlement, and in particular the boy Durnoth. Nevertheless, he did not return immediately, not wishing to displease the dragon ruler. Not that Kadir had forbidden Eldreki's activities, he was aware of them, of course. Eldreki did not even consider attempting to conceal his movements or to use deception on Kadir. Dragons did not deceive one another the way he had so often observed humans doing, it was not their way. But after he had stayed away for a short time, Eldreki once again became curious about the life of the human community. He returned early one evening, when the shadows of twilight would allow him to place himself further down the slope of the nearest mountain, without risk of detection. The boy Durnoth was easy to locate, at the center of a group of his peers, talking animatedly about something. He was bigger, but Eldreki had no trouble recognizing him, He wondered idly how much time had passed since his last visit. Six years, perhaps, or seven? The changes in humans in such a short time were remarkable. How rapidly the lives of these creatures raced away. Durnoth would be fully grown soon, and before much longer he would start to decline, grow old and feeble like the gray-haired humans who barely moved from the settlement, dependent on the stronger members of their community to provide for them. The evening was still and Eldreki focused his attention on the sounds drifting toward him from the town as he sifted through the normal bustle of village life he discerned Durnoff's voice it was different in tone from the last time Eldreki had heard it deeper it seemed that the boy was attempting to convince some of the other young humans to come with him to a place in the mountains a meadow he had discovered where a particular type of flower grew Eldreki thought he knew the place it wasn't far into the peaks. It was quickly clear that the boy was having no success. The others shook their heads, their eyes fearful as they flicked toward the mountains. After a short time, they began to melt away, and Durnoth sighed in evident disappointment. He turned toward the mountains, his gaze determined. Eldreki shifted in his perch, watching in anticipation. It had been some time since he had watched Durnoth explore the mountains, even using farsight. But for a moment, Eldreki was distracted from the boy's movements. From a distance, the dragon's sharp eyes caught what Durnoth had missed from up close. One of the onlookers had lingered. She remained half-hidden behind a nearby dwelling as Durnoth assessed the towering peaks. She looked apprehensive, as the others had done but she was watching Durnoth with almost as much fascination as the dragon was, and with something else, a gleam of admiration, of longing. Durnoth squared his shoulders and started toward the edge of the town, so focused on his destination that he was completely oblivious to the girl following stealthily behind him. No one challenged them as they left the shelter of the settlement. Within minutes, Durnoth had reached the start of the rocks, his silent follower not far behind him. Once the boy was climbing between boulders, it was easy for the girl to hide her pursuit. Eldreki climbed from rock to rock himself, watching the pair as they made their painstakingly slow progress up a shaly slope. There were no paths in the mountains, no trails made by exploring humans. As far as Eldreki knew, Durnoth was the only one to ever venture deep enough into the mountains to need one. Well, Durnoth and now this girl, he supposed. It was almost dark when the human boy reached the meadow in question. It was indeed a lovely spot. The grassy dell crowded with a surprising number of the white flowers that grew in profusion deeper in the mountains, but not at all on the plains. Durnoth sank down among the blooms, lying on his back and looking up at the darkening sky. The perfume of the flowers drifted through the still air, Eldreki knew that humans could not detect smells from nearly as great a distance as he could, but surely down there, among the blooms, Durnoth would be so surrounded by the pleasant scent that even his senses could take it in. Eldreki moved silently as he flew from one peak to another, remaining out of sight. It was no challenge for his eyes to penetrate the gathering darkness, and he could see that Durnoth looked frustrated as he rested in this peaceful spot. Humans intriguing as ever. They showed their emotions with astonishing openness, and yet their thoughts were often impossible to decipher. The dragon wondered what was in the boy's mind that would make him wear such an expression. It wasn't until the boy finally pulled himself to his feet that Eldreki remembered the existence of the girl. He hadn't noticed her since Durnoth had entered the dell. The meadow was fully encased in darkness now, But Eldreki had no difficulty in locating her once he cast his eyes around the area. She was hanging back behind a large rock, watching Durnoth with the same look of longing that she had worn back in the village. She waited until Durnoth had left the meadow before tentatively entering it herself. Having made sure he was out of sight, she walked through the clearing, running her hand along the blooms that grew in clusters all over the space. She leaned down and inhaled deeply, supporting Eldrecki's conclusion that the humans could smell the flowers' soothing aroma while in the meadow. The moon had risen, and the white of the flowers seemed to shine faintly in the ghostly light. She was clearly captivated. Eldrecki found his own attention captured as well, diverted for once from the activities of the unusual human boy, The dragon watched with interest as the girl gathered a few of the flowers, something that Durnoth hadn't done. She tucked the blooms into a fold of her skirts before turning back toward the spot where Durnoth had exited the clearing. Moving noiselessly, Eldreki leaped from one rocky crag to another. He located Durnoth with ease. The boy was some distance ahead, on his way back to the village. From his high vantage point, the dragon looked between the two humans, waiting for the girl to catch up to her oblivious guide. But it quickly became clear that she was not going to find it easy to locate Durnoth. Her movements, at first stealthy as they had been on the way in, rapidly became more careless. Soon she was moving quickly, her steps no longer quiet. After several minutes, she began to look panicked, "'stumbling far too quickly through the rocks "'for how low the visibility must be for her weak eyes. "'Glancing from her to the boy now well ahead of her, "'Eldreki realized that the girl "'was not even heading in the right direction. "'Darkness had fully fallen, "'and she seemed to have no idea where she was going. "'Even as he watched, she tripped and fell.' Pushing herself back up quickly and hurrying on, the trajectory of her path even further from the route Durnoth was steadily following. Eldreki took to the skies, confident that the darkness would ensure that his form was not visible against the starry sky. He could no longer keep both humans in his line of sight from his position on the rocks, and for some reason he was curious about them both. Durnoth had almost left the mountains when the dragon saw the girl fall. Still hurrying much too quickly in the darkness, she slipped, falling into an invisible fissure, apparently too winded to even scream. She just disappeared into the blackness, silent and unwitnessed by any eyes but the dragon's. Eldreki wheeled toward the spot, hovering motionless above the fissure as he turned an impassive face back toward Durnoth, the boy was walking swiftly now across the stretch of grass separating the rocky slopes from the village. Eldrekki heard a whimper from the place where the girl had fallen. It wasn't a fatal drop then. A series of frantic sounds followed, suggesting that the girl was attempting to get free of the space into which she had fallen, but no sign of her emerged, and eventually the sounds ceased. The dragon glided away, landing on a nearby outcrop of rock, curling his tail around his feet as he pondered the situation. It was likely that the girl would die, he supposed. She was stuck, that much seemed clear, and certainly none of her humans knew where she was. Not even Durnoth was aware that she had followed him into the mountains. Death was a matter of little moment when it came to humans, of course. There were so many of them, and they died all the time, every day. Eldreki generally thought little of it whenever he witnessed the event from afar, and Eldreki had no connection to this girl. It wasn't like the interest he felt in Durnoth. He had never noticed her before that day. He knew that the other dragons in his colony would have been surprised by the suggestion that the girl's fate was in any way relevant to Eldreki, And yet, somehow, it felt relevant. He was strangely reluctant to simply return to the dragon realm, leaving her to her inevitable end. Hours passed as he sat, turning the question over in his mind— The stars wheeled above, consistent and harmonious, following their assigned rhythm, as always. Eldreki watched them, his reptilian face betraying no expression. Occasionally, he heard sounds from the trapped human, scuffling attempts to get free, followed by sobs or pathetic little cries. She was awake then, but she seemed to understand that she was too far from the village to shout for help. As the first hints of dawn began to creep up the sky, Eldreki reached a decision. He turned his thoughts to the familiar human village, using his farsight to locate Durnoth. The boy was fast asleep, settled safely in the small hut he shared with his parents, his face untroubled. Casting his sight wider, Eldreki saw that there were others in the village who were not so relaxed. The girl's family, perhaps. A woman was pacing the floor in one of the dwellings, and a man and an almost-grown boy were scouring the area surrounding the village. They looked exhausted and panicked, as though they hadn't slept. Neither one of them seemed to have considered entering the mountains, however. Eldreki returned his thoughts to Durnoth. He had better act while the boy was still asleep. He had never attempted this feat before, but he had heard Kadir speak of communicating with the kings of Kiona in this manner. Eldrecki closed his eyes, casting his magic out from him in a steady, pulsing wave. The torrent narrowed to a stream as he directed it toward Durnoth's hut. Using his farsight, he saw the moment his power entered the boy's mind. Durnoth began to shift in his sleep, his expression no longer serene as he tossed his head lightly back and forth. Eldreki tried to rein his magic in a little, realizing that he was using too potent a concentration for the human's mind to comfortably absorb. He molded the stream into an image. It was easy to recreate the mountains in this form. They were all Eldreki knew, his whole world. But perhaps it wouldn't be enough to make Durnoth dream about the mountains. Perhaps he already did so. Perhaps that was why he alone of the humans was drawn to explore their secrets. Eldrecki focused on the girl trapped in the mountains, trying to bring to mind every detail of the face he had seen from his perch on the rocks. As he wove her image into the vision his magic was creating in Durnoth's mind, he saw the boy go still. He no longer tossed and turned, but he was tense as he lay, not relaxed like he should be in sleep. For a moment Eldrecki was distracted, fascinated as usual by human reactions— Durnoth clearly loved the mountains and was captivated by them as no other human seemed to be, but when Eldreki caused him to dream of the mountains, it had a much smaller impact on his sleeping mind than the image of a girl from his village, whose face he probably saw every day. Why did he react that way? It was frustrating not to know. But the sun was truly creeping up now, the shadows that the mountains cast over the little village sharpening as light crept in behind the peaks. Time was almost gone to communicate with Durnoth in his sleep. Eldreki made one last push of his power, interweaving the image of the girl's face and the mountains, trying to link them together inextricably. Then a cock crowed, and Durnoth jerked awake, sitting bolt upright with wide eyes. Eldrecki withdrew his stream of power, satisfied. He continued to watch the life of the village with his farsight, noting how the regular bustle of morning was punctuated by the spreading of the news that a girl from the village was missing, hadn't been seen since the day before. Eldreki watched serenely as Durnoth stumbled through his routines, his face troubled as he heard the news of the missing girl. The moment Eldrecki was patiently awaiting arrived midway through the morning after another woman from the village stopped by to inform Durnoth's mother that the girl still hadn't been found. Durnoth had been listening silently, and when the other woman departed, he approached his mother. Haltingly, he told her of his dream and his growing conviction that the girl, whom everyone was calling Amali, was somewhere in the mountains. His mother's reaction was not at all what Eldrecki expected, but Durnoth seemed unsurprised by her disbelief. His face showed nothing but resignation as she scolded him, telling him not to go spreading stories about unnatural dreams. He didn't speak, but he was clearly still distracted as he went about his chores. It wasn't much longer until he slipped away from the house, seeking out the village elders who were coordinating the ongoing search for the girl. But he had no more success with them. Eldrecki hadn't realized just how strong the humans' prejudice against the mountains had become, No one was willing to consider for a moment that Amali had wandered into the peaks. Perhaps it was because Durnoff didn't mention his dream to anyone else, but they all dismissed his suggestion that Amali had entered the mountains with the argument that she had never shown any inclination to do so before. But Eldrecki had done his work well when he wrapped his magic around Durnoff. The boy was still enveloped in it, and he clearly couldn't shake its effects. By the time the sun had reached its zenith, He had decided to do what Eldreki had always intended him to do. Leaving the rest of the searchers behind, Durnoth began the walk toward the rocky slopes, his steps uncertain but his expression determined. He moved quickly, familiar with the terrain as the other humans weren't. Before long he was climbing steadily, heading in the general direction of the flower-strewn meadow, but the girl, Amali, had strayed from that track, and Durnoth was not going in the right direction to find her. Eldreki had been watching from a perch far up one of the peaks, but as he observed Durnoth's steady progress in the wrong direction, he decided to once again intervene. Spreading his wings, he floated silently down to the level of the fissure into which the human girl had fallen. After a moment's deliberation, he reached up both his clawed front feet to rest them on a nearby boulder. Extending his talons to their full extent, he scraped them deliberately along the rock, leaving deep gouges in the surface. But it was the sound, not the marks, that were the point. The metallic screeching was deafening, its sound vaguely unpleasant even to Eldrecki's ears. With his farsight, he saw Durnoth stiffen, turning his head toward the distant noise. There had been no sound from the fissure for some time, and Eldrecki had wondered if the girl was still conscious or even still alive but he heard the gasp that followed his signal, and there was a sudden scrambling below him. Hello? The voice was piteously weak. Is someone there? Eldrecki, of course, didn't respond. He just waited until he could hear Durnoth's approach, then repeated his scratching motion to reinforce the direction the rescuer should take. Then he leaped up the mountain, making no sound and leaving no sign of his ascent. He perched on the other side of the rock, content to await the outcome of his intervention. Amali? Durnoth's voice was close enough now that a human should be able to hear it, but he sounded uncertain, perhaps even a little afraid, as if he doubted that the missing girl could be responsible for the noise he had heard. Amali? Amali, are you here somewhere? The scrabbling from the fissure increased. Hello? The girl called, more loudly this time, is someone there help i'm stuck durnoff had heard her his pace doubled as he scrambled over the rocks his eyes widening i'm coming amali hold on within moments he had reached the crevice into which the girl had fallen he leaned carefully over the side taking care not to topple in after her eldreki watched with an illogical level of satisfaction as durnoff uncoiled the rope he had brought with him talking reassuringly to Amali as he figured out the best way to extricate her. He tied the rope to a nearby outcropping of rock, creating a loop in the end of it before he lowered it down to Amali. The boy remained above ground, pulling and coaxing by turns. It took a long time, in human terms, but eventually he managed to get her out of the hole. She was disheveled, to say the least, her clothes filthy and her face streaked with tears and dirt but she had escaped serious injury, only one ankle seeming to have suffered from her fall. For a moment after emerging into the sunlight, she clung blindly to her rescuer, her breaths coming in shuddering gasps. Strange, Eldrecki reflected as he eavesdropped on her disjointed ramblings of gratitude and relief, to realize how deeply she had feared death simply from falling into a hole. He tilted his head to one side, considering the matter, her fears were probably correct. He had assumed the same thing. He shook his head. Humans were amazingly fragile. It was surprising that they survived as long as they did. Durnoth, who had been so confident and capable in extricating Amali from the fissure, seemed unsure what to do in response to the girl's outburst of emotion. He patted her awkwardly on the back for a few minutes, and eventually she seemed to realize that she was making a spectacle of herself. She pulled away quickly, wiping her eyes on her filthy skirts. As she did so, something white fell from the folds of fabric. Durnoth stared at it, blinking in surprise. He reached out a tentative hand and picked it up. It was one of the blooms Amalie had collected from the meadow, and even from his place of concealment, Eldreki could smell the lingering fragrance that still clung to it. Durnoth's stare passed from the flower to her face, and she flushed a deep crimson. I... I followed you yesterday, she admitted. That's how I got lost. I stayed too long, and it was dark, and I couldn't see where you went, she hung her head. Please don't be angry. I'm not angry, said Durnoth, still staring at her with an expression that Eldrecki found difficult to read. I'm sorry you got lost. It wasn't your fault. The girl's voice was barely more than a whisper, although it was no challenge for Eldreki's ears to pick it up. "'Come on,' said Durnoth after a prolonged moment of silence. "'Let's get you home. Your family are frantic.' Amali nodded, her face still flushed. "'I think... I think I'll need help. My ankle... "'I'll help you,' Durnoth reassured her. He flashed her a swift grin, and Eldreki noted with interest that her cheeks grew even redder. "'I know my way around these mountains better than anyone.' Eldreki shook his head indulgently, He could correct the misapprehension easily if he chose to show himself, but he had no such intention. The two humans turned away, Amali shuddering as she cast the briefest of glances back toward her former prison. But Durnoth took a good look at the area, and his eyes fell on the deep scores in the rock left by Eldreki's talons. The boy froze, his eyes widening slightly as he took in the marks. He didn't bring his discovery to his companions' attention, but he looked carefully all around them, as if suddenly worried that they were not alone. The humans made steady progress, Durnoth supporting Amali with one arm around her waist, taking some of her weight as she leaned into his shoulder. They moved much more slowly than Durnoth had when entering the mountains. The afternoon was crawling on by the time they reached the end of the rocky ground, and the girl's face was white and strained with the effort of hobbling along on her injured ankle. As soon as they came within sight of the village, a shout went up. People ran to meet them, and Durnoth soon found himself relieved of her weight. The tide of people swelled briefly around the pair, then ebbed, receding in the direction of the dwellings. No one congratulated Durnoth on rescuing Amali, or on being correct in his guess as to where she had gone. In fact, no one paid him any attention at all, except Amali. She glanced back at him, her cheeks once again pink, as she was borne away. But within moments, all was quiet, and Durnoth was left standing alone on the grassy slope. Eldreki watched, curious as ever, as the boy raised his hand before his eyes. He stared at the crumpled white flower nestled in it, his expression difficult to read as he gazed from it to the village and back toward the mountains. Eldreki sighed. He had as much magic as any of his kind, and his farsight had proven useful that day, but he could not read minds, and he was no closer to guessing Durnoth's thoughts than he had ever been. Not that it mattered, he told himself, as he launched silently into the air, wheeling toward the dragon realm. How interesting could the thoughts of a human really be? Still, he felt strangely satisfied as he reflected on the success of his unprecedented intervention in the affairs of the humans he so often watched. There was no reason he knew of that he should care, but it pleased him that the girl would not die so long before her allotted years. He only hoped the events didn't discourage Durnoth from continuing to explore the mountains. For reasons he couldn't entirely articulate, Eldreki thought such an outcome would be a pity. The dragon wheeled silently through the sky, trusting in the gray of the clouds and the drizzling rain to conceal his form. He had seen from afar that Durnoth had returned to his favorite mountain meadow, and for some reason Eldreki had felt a desire to see the human in person, rather than just with his farsight. He knew that Durnoth had continued to venture into the mountains, and usually much further than the dell to which the human girl had followed him on that previous occasion. The dragon found himself wondering what brought the boy back to the meadow now. He perched on the top of a nearby peak, spreading his wings for balance as he watched Durnoff enter the meadow. He noted with a hint of surprise that the boy was a boy no longer. Durnoff was still young, even by human standards, but he was a man now. Eldreki hadn't realized it had been so long since he had checked on his favorite human. It was so easy to forget how quickly time moved for the weaker species. Eldreki tilted his head to one side, assessing the behavior of the human below him. There was something strange about Durnoth today, and it wasn't just that he was fully grown now. He seemed on edge, but not unhappy exactly. After a few minutes of silent observation, Eldreki thought he understood. Durnoth was nervous, perhaps excited. His interest caught. Eldreki watched closely as the young man gathered armfuls of blooms, The dragon was more curious than ever. He had never witnessed Durnoth taking flowers away from the meadow before. The human stayed only a short time, intent on his task. When he left, it was with a satchel over his shoulder, the white blossoms tucked carefully into it. Eldreki followed him, gliding low between the rocky crags, silent on the wind, When Durnoth left the rocks, the dragon settled on a monstrous boulder still within the confines of the mountains, but close enough to watch the human village with his physical eyes. He felt a curious impulse to emerge, to reveal himself to the young man. It startled him. He had never considered such a thing before, but he didn't act on it, just watched from a distance as usual. Durnoth didn't actually enter the space between the dwellings, As he approached the community, he suddenly quickened his pace, apparently becoming aware of the slim figure waiting for him. With a spark of interest, Eldrecki recognized Amali, the girl who had fallen in the mountains. She stepped forward eagerly to meet Durnoff, her confident familiarity a far cry from the awestruck way she had watched him on that previous occasion. She had grown as well, more woman than girl now, Eldreki tilted his head to the side, watching silently as the two walked together, away from the village. Durnoth took Amali's hand in his, and they continued to stroll, hands linked together. It was a strange gesture. It seemed impractical, like it would hamper their movements. But both humans seemed more than satisfied to remain connected as they walked. They climbed a grassy hill, settling on the top. They faced away from the mountains toward the west, and it was clear why. The drizzle had stopped, and the sun had begun to set. The dragon also turned his eyes toward the display of color now spreading across the far sky, turning the gray and unremarkable afternoon into a glorious extravagance of gold and red and purple. But his attention returned to the humans as Durnoth began to speak. The young man pulled a single flower from his satchel, placing it on Amali's lap, she gave a little cry of pleasure and picked it up, examining it in the fading light. Eldrecki listened with rapt interest and some amusement as Durnoth then launched into a stuttering speech, seeking and promising lifelong faithfulness. It was fascinating to watch. For some reason, the usually confident Durnoth seemed as self-conscious as a boy. This must be part of the human ritual for pairing, Eldreki realized, It seemed an awkward business compared to the mutual acknowledgement and acceptance he had witnessed between other dragons. Humans always did everything with so much unnecessary emotion. As if to confirm the dragon's thoughts, Dernoth suddenly upended his satchel, pouring all the blooms into the woman's lap. The gesture was accompanied by a convoluted speech that Eldreki thought was overblown and dramatic. Durnoth promised all kinds of future considerations that the dragon considered unlikely to be fulfilled, given his observation of humans. But Amali apparently saw nothing at fault with either Durnoth's words or his actions. She responded with great enthusiasm, even, to Eldreki's confusion, some tears. What an odd reaction. She was clearly happy. Her words confirmed it. So why did she cry? Humans were strange creatures. Eldreki had seen enough. His curiosity as satiated as it was likely to be, he left the pair to their emotions, winging back into the sky as silently as he had come. The tug of Eldreki's farsight pulled his attention away from his conversation with the other dragon. He turned his head to the side, concentrating. How intriguing his connection to Durnoth had always been one-sided how could it be anything else when the human was unaware of Eldreki's existence Eldreki had seen Durnoth from afar only when he had chosen to check on him but he had not been thinking of the human at all and the flash of farsight was unmistakable Durnoth was in the mountains and Eldreki was somehow aware of it without intending to be he took flight immediately following the direction of his sight Something stirred within him, some premonition of change. There was a significance to Durnoth unknowingly breaking through into the dragon's far sight. Eldreki wasn't sure what was going to happen that day. It wasn't as though dragons could see the future after all, but he had a sense that it would be different. As he followed the trail, he realized that Durnoth was deep in the mountains, deeper than he had gone before. He was still a day's travel, at least, from the dragon realm but he had made it impressively far into the peaks. Perhaps that was part of why his presence intruded so powerfully into Eldreki's consciousness. Using his farsight to observe the human well before he reached him, Eldreki saw that Durnoth was alone. Not that there was anything unusual in that. His wife sometimes joined him in his explorations, but more often he was alone. Eldreki didn't bother to use his farsight to see where Amali was, Presumably, she was at the village, keeping watch over the small humans who had joined the little family. There were three little ones now, and they were surprisingly entertaining to watch. They had the essence of Durnoth so strongly that they felt quite familiar to Eldreki. For a moment, his thoughts turned away from the man who was now drinking at a mountain stream not too far behind. Durnoth's children had a strange impact on Eldreki, they made him feel almost a kind of longing. It was foolishness, most likely. He spent too much time watching humans, and he was beginning to be affected by their constantly overflowing emotions. After all, there was nothing remarkable about human young. Eldrecki had never seen a dragonling, other than himself, when he was young, but he knew what they were like, more or less. He could even remember the almost blinding brightness of his own scales when he had been a dragonling, the blue and purple and green more vivid than any flower but human offspring seemed to be no brighter or more colorful than their fully grown equivalents. They were just smaller and woefully incapable, and, if such a thing were possible, even more fragile than adult humans. He shook the thought off as he approached the stream, flying low to avoid detection. Durnoth had sharper eyes than most humans, and he was no fool. Even as a boy, he had noticed things that others might have missed. Eldrekki had watched him return many times to the spot where Amali had fallen, running his hands over the marks left in the rocks by Eldrekki's talons, his expression thoughtful. But right now, he was oblivious to the dragon's approach. His demeanor relaxed as he splashed water on his face. His expression was happy, and for a moment Eldrekki's mind was consumed by the usual burning curiosity to know what the human was thinking. Dragons were not generally impulsive creatures. But there was a reason that Eldreki often tried the patience of his fellows, and it wasn't just because he was the youngest dragon in the colony. Reckless, some had called him. Whether he was reckless or not, the decision that most dragons would never reach after a century of contemplation was made in seconds. As Eldreki landed, silent and smooth, directly across the stream from Durnoth, he had a strange feeling of a task completed, It was as though some deep part of him had known that he would reveal himself one day, known it since the day he first began to take an interest in the human boy. He sat motionless for only a matter of seconds before Durnoff became aware of his presence. The man looked up abruptly, his eyes widening. For a moment he stood frozen, fear and amazement evident on his face. Eldreki met his gaze calmly, tilting his head to the side as he assessed the human. The silence stretched out and still Durnoff didn't move Eldreki's curiosity got the better of him Greetings human wanderer I am Eldreki Durnoff's eyes widened even further but he didn't speak he seemed incapable of doing so You have wandered far into the mountains today Eldreki said gravely I I Durnoth's stuttering incoherency reminded Eldrecki of the day he had made his promises to Amali. How interesting. It seemed clear that he was afraid of Eldrecki in this moment, and not without reason. But surely he hadn't been afraid of the woman on that occasion, so why was his reaction the same? Another mystifying example of human behavior. Durnoth cleared his throat and tried again. I apologize for trespassing, mighty beast, he managed. I did not say that you trespass, said Eldreki calmly. Merely that you have wandered far into the mountains. This land is not claimed. He regarded the human curiously. What brings you so deep into the peaks, young human? Durnoth was taking deep, unsteady breaths, clearly not yet recovered from the shock of Eldreki's appearance. But he seemed willing to converse with the dragon, which was precisely what Eldreki wanted. Finally, he could satisfy his curiosity about what went on behind those human eyes. "'I was exploring,' said Durnoth slowly. "'Seeking a pleasant place to—' he hesitated. "'My wife and I wish to leave the village where we live. "'We wish to settle in the mountains, but—' "'But I did not realize that there were others living here.' "'He bowed low, as if Eldreki was some kind of human royalty.' we will not intrude on your home.' "'No,' said Eldreki, amused. "'I can tell you with certainty that you will not.' He chuckled, and the young human stiffened, terror once again evident on his face. What a strange reaction to laughter. "'My home is some distance from here,' Eldreki explained. "'And you could not intrude on it, even if you wished to,' he assessed Durnoth for a moment. So you wish to live in the mountains? Durnoth nodded. Why? Eldreki pushed. When all the other humans avoid this place, why are you drawn to it? Durnoth looked startled, but he didn't comment on Eldreki's knowledge of the attitude of his fellows. I do not know exactly, he said at last, but the mountains have called to me since my earliest memories. He looked around him, his brows drawn together. There is a power that lingers in this place. I don't know how to describe it. Eldreki sat back, not hiding his surprise. "'You can feel our magic,' he said, and it wasn't a question. "'That is,' he regarded the human thoughtfully. "'Unusual.' He looked at Durnoth, and it suddenly struck him, the reason for their connection— they were both unusual among their kind, both lured by a call that was incomprehensible to their fellows. Just as Durnoth was the only human drawn to the mountains, Eldreki was the only dragon drawn to the humans. We are akin, you and I, he mused aloud. Durnoth looked startled. We. we are? Eldreki didn't answer. It wasn't as satisfying as he had thought it would be, speaking with Durnoth. The usually confident and articulate man was a stuttering mess. Perhaps the appearance of a dragon was just too intimidating an event. Eldrekki supposed it would be quite a shock. I will come back tomorrow, he said abruptly. If you wish to speak further, return to the stream. Then, without waiting for an answer, he pushed himself fluidly into the sky, achieving a height that would make him invisible to Durnoth's eyes within seconds. When Eldreki arrived at the mountain stream the next day, Durnoth was waiting. The humans seemed almost surprised to see him, which was strange, given the assurance Eldreki had given him the day before. Perhaps he had convinced himself that it had all been a dream. In any event, he seemed to have regained some of his normal calm. Eldreki had to acknowledge the young man's courage. He suspected that not many humans would recover their balance so quickly after being exposed to a dragon for the first time. Durnoth spoke more that day, answering Eldreki's questions and even daring to ask some of his own. Eldreki answered a few of them, but he said nothing about his colony or the Dragon Realm. The reaction of the Dragon Ruler had not even been in Eldreki's mind when he made his impulsive decision to reveal himself to Durnoth the day before an instance of his recklessness, the others had said. But there was no denying that Kadir had not been pleased by the young dragon's actions. He had made no prohibitions, it was not the way dragon community worked, but Eldreki knew that there were lines he must not cross, and he gave no information to Durnoth that could cause the other dragons to raise serious objections. Still, there was plenty to say and to hear. For several days they met at the stream eldreki could see with his far sight that amali had grown concerned by her husband's unexpectedly long absence but he didn't mention the matter to durnoth it wasn't as though the human had asked it was after a few days that eldreki once again brought up the purpose for the man's exploration of the mountains have you found a place to settle durnoth looked surprised as i said mighty one i will not intrude on your mountains "'They are your mountains also, human,' said Eldreki. "'You are drawn to them by a force outside of yourself, "'and that is not for me to deny,' he tilted his head to the side. "'I think I know a place. Would you like to see it?' Durnoth nodded, still looking stunned. But it was nothing to the shock he showed when Eldreki swooped suddenly upon him, seizing him by the shoulders with his talons and lifting into the air. Durnoth's cry was cut off abruptly as they soared low above the peaks. In a few short minutes, they had reached the place Eldreki had mentioned. He set Durnoth down in the middle of a plateau, surrounded by low, rocky hills on all sides. As soon as he was released, the human bent double, resting his hands on his knees as he drew deep, shuddering breaths. When he recovered himself, he straightened, turning in a slow circle as he took in the area. A smile gradually grew on his face. "'It's perfect,' he said, his expression earnest as he turned to the dragon. "'Thank you.' Eldreki inclined his head graciously. "'We are days from my home as the man travels,' he said warningly. "'If you are to settle in these mountains, you must not attempt to seek us out or to unravel our secrets.' "'I swear I will not,' said Durnoth quickly. I have no desire to intrude. I wish only to make a home for myself and my family in these mountains. Eldreki inclined his head again. Then you are a wanderer no more. Welcome, Durnoth, to your home. The dragon watched with interest, mainly from afar, as Durnoth built a home and settled his family. The human tried, without much success, to interest others from the village in joining them, The first few years were hard. The mountains were an unforgiving landscape, and the settlers had to travel back and forth to the plains frequently. But over time, they learned to navigate their new surroundings. When things began to pick up, a few others joined, and the beginnings of a community were formed. The dwellings spread out across the clearing, and by the time a decade had passed, it almost looked like a town. Eldreki occasionally spoke with Durnoth, But he never entered the new village, or showed himself to any other humans. The rest of his colony had mixed reactions to the permanent presence of humans in their mountains. Some were displeased with Eldreki for taking it on himself to authorize the invasion. Others shrugged it off, as unable as ever to believe that any action of humans could impact them. Kadir, the dragon ruler, was as inscrutable as he always was. He took the development as he took most things, a small current in the tide of time, which would carry those in its reach along to the destination allotted to them. He, of course, was not in the reach of such a small current. Dragons tended not to concern themselves with matters that didn't directly affect them. Eldrecki understood no more than the rest of them why he seemed to be an exception. His intervention in Amali's accident, for example, had been of no benefit to him at all. Yet he felt strangely satisfied as he watched the family grow, to know that it owed its existence to him. Of course, Durnoth grew old rapidly. It felt like the blink of an eye since Eldreki had first taken an interest in the young child, but time had done little to change the dragon by the time Durnoth's grandchildren were the ones running around, their enthusiasm outstripping their coordination as their over-large heads made them tip over with entertaining frequency." It was a strange sensation, watching the once strong man age and fade. It made Eldreki feel some hint of the wistfulness he had experienced when he first watched Durnoth and Amali become parents, when it had made him think of the dragonlings who were conspicuously absent from his colony. It was almost sadness, this feeling. Perhaps that was why the other dragons preferred to distance themselves from humans, to remain isolated. He may have felt more interest in the humans than any other dragon, but he had no desire to share in the frequent turmoil of grief that was an inevitable part of the life of such mortal creatures. Wondering if the traditional caution of dragonkind was wiser than he had first imagined, he began to think of distancing himself to avoid inviting sadness when Durnoth passed to his ancestors. So, as time flowed by, Eldreki withdrew from the human settlement in the mountains. He no longer watched Durnoth with his far sight, recognizing that the time of their connection was passing, or at least changing, he reminded himself, as he thought of Durnoth's children, now fully grown, and his grandchildren. The man's offspring carried Durnoth's essence, unmistakably so, and all of them had inherited his astounding ability to sense the dragon's magic, that much Eldreki could easily see from afar. It made Eldreki think of the unprecedented way Durnoth's presence had broken into his far sight, a potent and inexplicable example of the bond that had existed between them since Eldreki first laid eyes on the human. Perhaps he would keep an eye on Durnoth's line after all. They didn't need to know he was watching, but he would be. Who knew what or who might come out of this connection? Certainly worth keeping his eye on, he decided, whatever the other dragons thought. But there was no rush. He would withdraw, like the rest of his kind, allow his presence to pass gradually from memory into myth. Kadir must have his reasons for wanting the humans to live in a world where dragons were nothing more than legends. Perhaps it was time for Eldreki to adopt that approach as well. And in the meantime, he could watch and wait. Unlike the humans, he had plenty of time, perhaps unlimited time, he reminded himself, surprised by the hint of that wistful, sad emotion that crept into him at the thought. He sighed as he turned his thoughts from the humans back to his own colony. That was a question for another time.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to Dragon's Sight by Deborah Grace White, narrated by Peter Franson of Christian Geek Central. If you want to read more by Deborah, go to deboragracewhite.com to find more of her books. I'll also have a direct link in the show notes that takes you to her mailing list, where you can get a copy of today's story for free, along with a free novella. If you enjoyed listening to Pater narrate the story, you might also enjoy listening to his podcast, Christian Geek Central, where he discusses movies, video games, and all things enjoyed by self-proclaimed geeks from a Christian worldview. Don't forget about this month's giveaway. Among other prizes, Deborah is giving away two full audiobooks. A Kingdom Submerged, which is the first in her Vizula Chronicles series, and Kingdom of Beauty, which is a Beauty and the Beast retelling and is the first in her Kingdom Tales series. Make sure to go to findingfantasyreads.com slash giveaway to enter. If you're enjoying listening to Finding Fantasy Reads, please consider leaving a review. Reviews help me know how to improve the show, whether it's to keep the things you like or get rid of the things you don't, and it helps new listeners find the podcast. A good review can often be the tipping point to get someone to listen or subscribe which means I can keep making more new episodes for you. If you're not sure how to leave a review, check out today's show notes for some easy instructions, along with links to everything else we've talked about. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading.